Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture reading comes from Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 through 14, 16, 17, 20, and 21. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let everyone who hears say, come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. The one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you, Tamara. And man, music was just so good today. And I needed it for worship purposes today, so thank you guys very much. Welcome, everybody, to the last Sunday in Easter. In technical sense, this is the last Sunday in the season of Easter. We actually will carry on the the sermon series for another Sunday or so, but this is the last Sunday in the season of Easter, which kind of hurts my heart a little bit. It has become my favorite season of the year, especially as a preacher. And so let me say this right up front. Just because the season of Easter is over doesn't mean that the season of Easter is over, if that makes sense. We cannot stop being the people who renovate. Our sermon series, the book of renovation, we cannot stop being the people who are always looking for ways that God might be able to use us in the process of making all things new. Please, please, don't go back to just living in the shadow of the cross. Continue to live in the light of the resurrection. Well, as you can see, things are a little bit different. I don't often have this kind of a setup out here. I don't often have to work with a rocket over here. We don't, someone asked me, now what is a TIE fighter? Okay, here's the deal. There is this movie franchise called Star Wars. Anybody heard of it? (laughs) Fib. Uh, And in that movie franchise, the bad people, the bad people, they fly TIE fighters. So again, I want to put your minds at ease. We have redeemed this TIE fighter. This is a good TIE fighter out here. It was formerly used by the enemy, but now, all things new, right? Uh, We're using it. This is uh, VBS week, one of the most important weeks in the life of our church. This and a couple of the things that we do give us an opportunity to do all three at the same time. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. This is a great opportunity for you to be involved in renovation, in the renovating, perhaps, of a young life. Maybe you will make the impact 
and change the trajectory of a, of a young life because you're a team leader. I don't know. I don't like kids. Right. You don't lead a team then. We have other things for you to do. Maybe, though, you can help us in telling a story or, or just providing some of the support help. This is a, a, a very important and major way in which we get involved in the renovation process as a church. Please consider how you might be involved this week and all the weeks. There is an element of Vacation Bible School and something that we're doing all the time around here. Please be involved in the renovation process because not only is it really helpful and hopeful and healthy for the neighborhood around the church, but this is the underappreciated part. It is good for you. So much so that I would say this. To refuse to be a part of the world's renovation is to refuse, is to, refuse to be renovated yourself. And I'm pretty sure that's true. To refuse to be part of the process whereby God is making all things new is to opt out of the process whereby God makes you new. And there are plenty of those folks in churches all over the place, right? There's plenty of those folks. And we just, you will be constantly barraged with suggestions that, that we should not be those people. The set here gave me a, a great way to kind of start the, uh, the sermon today. I don't know if you saw this on the news, but uh, the former head of the Pentagon's secret UFO, UFO program has some strange stories to tell. And, and, and this is the deal, kind of let loose with some information saying, yeah, we kind of do. We study this UFO phenomenon all the time. Now, if you keep reading what the person says is, now there are a lot of these things, a lot of these sites that we can explain in different sorts of ways, right? Sorry. But there is a part of it that says, but there are some other things that we continue to chase it around that we can't completely, completely understand. Maybe there is something out there. To which a whole bunch of the Christians said, well, of course there's somebody out there. Jesus is out there somewhere. This, this week has also been uh, Ascension Week. Now, again, if you are attentive to the Christian calendar, you know that uh, an earlier this week was Ascension Day. The day that we tell the story and say right out loud that there was this moment when this tangible, touchable Jesus disappeared into the sky, behind the clouds. Now, that is an important story that we probably don't tell enough because when you misinterpret that story, you can get to some weird places, some very strange places that actually then come to roost as you try to read through a book like Revelation. For example... You may get the impression, if you don't interpret that ascension story correctly, you may get the impression that, that means that Christ is no longer here. That is not the truth. But there are some people who believe, and I'm going to start using this phrase now, and then I'm going to use it like a refrain throughout the sermon. There are some people who are better at practicing the absence of Christ than practicing the presence of Christ. And sometimes they even look to Scripture and say, see, there it is. There's a story of Jesus flying away. Jesus, not here anymore. And in fact, that can become a very scary, troubling kid's song sung in children's church. <laughs> now, I'm about to work you through some lyrics of a very scary, troubling kid's song that I learned in children's church, and I want to apologize ahead of time if this is bothersome for you, because it could be bothersome for you for a number of reasons. Like, number one, perhaps the content itself is troubling to you. Yep, me too, right? Sorry, 
This is a song that we actually did sing in churches all over the place when I was a child, so 40 some odd, I mean 20 some odd years ago. (laughs) But it may trouble you because you loved and trusted the person who taught you this song. I don't want to talk you out of that. Not at all. I don't want to talk you out of loving and trusting the person who taught you this song, but I still want to say, if we're not careful, we warp the gospel and make it into something that it's not. Is there anybody else in the room that remembers this song, the countdown song? I'm not kidding. Okay, we have one. Are you in therapy too because of this? (laughs) These are the lyrics, and I'm not kidding, of the countdown song. Starts with... Somewhere in outer space, God has prepared, some of you are already cringing, <laughs> they'll be like, yeesh. <laughs> but we sang this and it had visual aids and everything. Remember? Remember all this? God has prepared a place for those who trust him and obey. Jesus will come again and though we don't know when, <laughs> the countdown's getting lower every day. And just to hammer home that point, 10 and 9, 8 and 7, 6 and 5 and 4. Call upon the Savior while you may. No, I'm serious. This was a thing. (laughs) 3 and 2 coming through the clouds in bright array. The countdown's getting lower every day. (sighs) I've asked Lisa to stop singing this song in the uh, children's church at (laughs) Oklahoma City First. Let, let, let me say this to us. There are multiple tragedies here. One is that it casts God as sort of the gotcha cop and he's kind of going to come back and you should be afraid, right? I think the, the bigger tragedy is this, though. It casts Jesus as being absent. It casts God as being absent, And if God is somehow understood by the Christian people as being absent from this place, then that might explain why we lack the energy and sometimes even lack the resources to do the work of renovation that God calls all Christians to do all the time. But if you feel like God is somewhere else, preparing another place somewhere else, and this God is just going to let this place kind of go to hell in a handbasket... And just scoop up the nice people and take them to that other place that Christ has been preparing, you know, out there in outer space. Maybe that explains why we can't seem to get around to doing the hard work of renovation. A friend texted me this week. This is an interesting story. A friend texted me this week who has struggled with faith for a long time, long time. He has started to listen to the new podcast. By the way, it's free advertisement. We're starting to do a new podcast. (laughs) It's called Unafraid, and we are having conversations. This is sort of comes to you in between the sermon podcast. We're having conversations about anything and everything, in particular those things that sometimes Christians find it hard to talk about. Knowing that, this guy texted me and said, can we talk about the rapture? Is it there or not? This is on people's minds. I mean, people have grown up in the church, still struggle with this concept. Ready? This is it. Ready? That Christ is not here. That makes here a bad place. Christ is somewhere else 
preparing a good place. Better be good here while in the bad place so I can go there and be in the good place. Boy, that gives you a particular lens through which then you start to read the book of Revelation, right? Then then you start to read that in ways that I would submit to you, ways that are not healthy and not just for you, but ways that are not healthy for the situations around you that require the work of renovation. One of the greatest theological thinkers in our day is a guy named Jürgen Moltmann. Unbelievable mind, German theologian who actually defected from the German army. So he was, uh, during World War II, he's old, right? But man, he's smart. Perusia is another way to talk about the, the whole conversation of the second coming. And he says this, and said it recently, to translate Perusia as coming again or second coming is wrong because that presupposes a temporary absence. I, I would say this to us again. There's a form of Christianity that practices the absence of Jesus. There is another form of Christianity that practices the presence of Jesus. Which one are you practicing? If you're practicing the absence of Jesus, you are probably, like the person who wrote the song earlier, bemoaning the fact that everything is deteriorating around you bemoaning the evil that you see on a regular basis and seeing it as evidence, not only that God is absent, but that someday you can be too. I see the same screens as that person. You see the same screens as that person who sees in the tragedy and the carnage, it's all over our screens, evidence that God is absent. I see all of that same stuff, but what I see is a calling for renovation. What I hear in my head is the reminder of Christ in a passage that we teach and preach every Ascension Sunday that goes like this. You do remember that Jesus says this, right? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing people in name, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready for this? And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love you. If you are practicing the absence of Christ, you are absolutely not doing it correctly. You're not doing this faith incorrectly because this Jesus character said, I am not absent. And it is a a pretty ornery, frustrated Jesus that shows up on John's doorstep and says, I have a message for you to give to the churches. Not absent, said Jesus. Live as if I am not absent. Live and be the church. Be believers as if I am actually present. And some of the greatest keys and clues and cues that we need are actually here in this same passage. We are to be about the hard work of renovation. See, I am coming soon. Because we somehow have got this lens 
implanted in our brains, we read these passages in certain ways that they kind of fortify our preconceived ideas. Have you ever noticed that? We have that capacity, right? Okay, let me say it like this. I have seen a young man before in my life who uh, so deeply believes that the young lady across the way really has eyes for him that no matter what she does, it actually <laughs> can be used and to fortify his belief that she is really into him, like even when she completely ignores him for months at a time. So sometimes, and we can turn that sound all the way off, Nicole, we, and so sometimes we do that same thing. We so believe that we know what we're seeing here that we won't let the Bible say anything other than what we're telling it to say to us. See, I am coming soon. So sometimes we read that phrase as if, okay, it's, it's coming. There's going to be this final coming, but maybe it means just until the next time. Maybe I'm coming soon in the next half hour, hour, week. The next time the circumstances require it, the next time you are available to Christ to help facilitate the movement of renovation. My reward is with me to repay everyone according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And blessed are those, we talked about this before, who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Remember, this is an eloquent and beautiful and artistic way to say this. God is busy doing the work of renovation and we have this constant, constant opportunity to be a part of it. To be a part of it. Washing our robes, that was a phrase that came up a while back. Remember, John was standing nearby and he sees these people who are worshiping around the throne. And he is asked, Who do you think these people are in these robes? Who do you think they are? John says, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? And the answer was this These are the people who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, counterintuitive as it might be, we make our lives and our hearts and ourselves pure when we identify with the suffering love of Christ and then implement and apply and announce and embody that suffering love everywhere we are and everywhere we go. And in so doing, we tap into the resources for life that perhaps we didn't even know existed prior to. Man, that was a good place for an amen. Okay, not bad. That we may enter the city by the gates. Now, I want to I keep this in front of us. This Jesus shows up and is kind of half-cocked. He's present throughout the entirety of the book of Revelation. But there is a low burn of frustration that comes with him. This Jesus shows up in chapter 1 saying, why don't people get it? And in particular, why don't the church people get it? And then walks through these different churches who really should have gotten it. And some do, two do, five don't. And at the end, I think there is still a frustration that you can see if we look at verse 15 here. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the fornicators and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It's not that those things don't exist. It's that we have the opportunity to live other than that. Jesus goes on to say this, it is I, it's me, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root, I love this, and the descendant of David. I was before David and I'm after David. It's a big story. The bright and morning star, 
then this. In response to the testimony of Jesus, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let everyone who hears say, come. This church helped me to go back to school and get a graduate degree in theology where my concentration was on original languages and, I'm, and if, no, if no other time before in the last, oh, 30 years or so, maybe that will all pay off today. <laughs> the word translated as come here. Here's the technical way to parse that verb. It is second person present imperative. Imperative means it kind of feels like a directive. Come on. Come on. Second person, talking to somebody else. So someone here is saying to Jesus, come on. Present means it didn't have to be translated as come. It perhaps could have been translated, ready for this? Keep on coming. Did that hit you like it hit me? Second person, present, imperative. It was not saying, hey, sometime way out into the future, come for the second time. It was saying to a Jesus who has been careful to say, listen, I am not absent. I am always around and arriving. I am always ready to help you because I have called you to this giant work of renovation. The present Jesus says, I am coming. Jesus says, I'm going to keep on coming. And in response, the spirit and the bride say, and the people say, oh, Jesus, keep on coming. Keep on coming. That is not the language of someone who experiences Christ to be absent. That would have been different. That would have been a different verb. That would have been a different uh, mindset. That would have been translated differently. It might have said something like, the spirit and the bride say, someday, off into the future, please come someday, off into the future. But that's not what this says. Will you let me mess with the lens with which you not only read the book of Revelation, but will you let me mess with the lens with which perhaps you live your life in this world, not renovating? This is an old cargo container that someone is renovating and making into a living space. Again, I want to keep these images in front of you. By the way, the window is in process. Uh, uh, projects of renovation. I want to make sure that they're always happening around you to continue to inundate your imagination with images of renovation. Because I want you to understand that this is present tense. Present tense? As we read through the book of Revelation and we align our hearts with those who are saying, yes, come on, come on, what we should be saying is not, man, come someday and take us from here. What we should be saying is, keep on coming and help us what you want us to do here. Verse 18, still frustrated though. Jesus says, I, I want you to do what I want you to do. <laughs> 
And I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. Don't change the message. Let me tell you how I hear that. Don't change the present tense message into a future tense message. Don't change the right here around you message into a somewhere else message. If you do, there's going to be carnage. That's what I see on my screens. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, then God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. That sounds terrible. Can I translate that for you? If you opt out of life, you have kind of opted out of life. So, there's another passage that I could have preached from today. Acts chapter 16. This is after, after the crucifixion. This is after the resurrection. This is after the ascension. Paul does not believe Jesus, though, to be absent. What has happened is this. Paul and Silas. Uh, Paul and Silas were traveling around, and there was this little slave girl. (laughs) I don't know why this is funny to me, but there was a little slave girl that was following them around as they were traveling, and, and she would cry out, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. This is actually what it says in this translation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, <laughs> turned and said to the spirit that was in this girl, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. Well, then things really got dicey because that girl and all the things that she was able to do with the help of that evil spirit, she had been making her owners, let's say, her handlers, she'd been making them a lot of money. Paul just ruined their opportunity to make a lot of money. And so they drag Paul and Silas in front of the city magistrates and say, these people are just, they are out of the ordinary. They are teaching and preaching a theology that we don't believe. By the way, the, the theology that they actually believed and the reason Paul and Silas were, were in trouble with them in the first place was because they believed in the theology of making money. Amen? All right, I'll do it myself. And so they had them flogged and thrown into prison, their feet in stocks. Verse 25, ask yourself if this sounds like Christ's absence. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They're in prison, having been beaten. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Very strange. The jailer called for lights and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul. And Silas, then he brought them outside and said, sirs, tell me about this God who is so present. Sirs, what must I do to be included in this movement of this very present God that we have seen in Christ? (laughs) Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, 
you and your household. You might say, household renovated. You and your household. Don't know if this guy went back to the jail and did his jailer work. Don't know if he did. If he did, I bet he did it differently, you think? Maybe he decided to do something else. My suspicion is they lived their lives differently having had their household renovated. Jesus speaking now. The one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Maybe like real soon. Maybe in the next hour or so. And then maybe also again the hour after that. And maybe again the hour after that and after that and after that because renovation takes a lot of presence and work. Amen. And there it is again. Come. Guess what? Second person present imperative. Keep on coming, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints and the saints in process. Surely I am with you. Remember, I am with you to the end of the age. One more thing I want to read to us and we'll be done. When Christ is in outer space preparing a place, preparing to come here, then we assume that Christ isn't already here and no renovation gets done. Maybe my friend Matt Hodge gave me a good, helpful, healthy image of the work of victorious renovation, the role we play in the process and the role Christ wants to play and is playing even when we can't see it. We flipped a house, which enabled us to actually then build a house, but when we built it, we built it intentionally with space in the attic that would need to at some point be renovated. The problem was and is I can't do it by myself. I'm not capable. I needed, continued to need, help. My friend Matt led me through the renovation process. He does have all the skills, all the experience, all the tools, all of it. And for months, we met on Mondays to do the hard work of renovation. Now, faithfully, I showed up every Monday to contribute what I could, labor, labor which meant carrying heavy stuff. <laughs> and I learned other skills and gained valuable experience in the process all the while leaning heavily on Matt, the unquestioned leader in the renovation process. And that partnership slowly and yet surely started to produce results. Slowly, sometimes excruciatingly slowly, a new space started to emerge. Day by day, week by week, we added structure to the slowly emerging space until finally we could envision what was coming, a new space that would allow for a very new way of living and being alive. Yeah, that's it. We Christians are called to partner with the one who has the skills, the experience, the tools, contributing what we contribute. And that partnership, day by day, week by week, season by season, causes things to change. And slowly but surely, and sometimes it's excruciatingly slow, slowly but surely, we start to be able to envision a new space, 
new space that allows for a different way of living and being alive. But not when you're practicing the absence of Christ. You go to a church that regularly practices the presence of Christ. In fact, we work it into every service. (laughs) And so if you're going to help us now practice this presence of Christ, would you please come now? If you are visiting with us today, we're about to take communion by intention, and I'll explain what that means. But before I get into the detail of what it means, I need you to hear me say this today. This is the way that the church historically has practiced the presence of Christ. This is the way that the church has historically practiced the presence of Christ. In the hopes of making people like you and me more readily accessible and available to the presence of Christ. Do you, in the way that you go about work, practice the absence of Christ? Do you, in the way that you go about family stuff, practice the absence of Christ? Do you, in the way that you go about your life with your enemies and opposites and irritants, practice the absence of Christ? Sometimes me too. So Heavenly Father, bless these elements now and with them. Give us the help we need, the resources we need, the imagination we need to see you where we couldn't have seen you before to hear you where we couldn't have heard you before, to experience you where we couldn't have experienced before. Bless these elements, bread and cup, as simple as they are. Somehow, God, do what only you can do, and with them, awaken us to your presence. And awaken us to your presence in ways that will allow for this partnership take place. My hope is that this phrase from Matthew 28 20 will absolutely dominate your experience of the Eucharist this morning. I am with you always. I am with you always. So here's how it works around here. And again, if you're visiting, here's how we take communion each week here. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and exit your pew to the left. That is, everyone who is willing, none are compelled. If you don't want to do this, you don't have to do it. But you all are invited. Now, John, do you really mean all of us? Do you know what happened this week? Yes. All of you who understand your need for grace are today and every Sunday are invited to this table no matter how bad your morning was, week, month, year, life. If you understand your need for grace, this is where you need to be. So I'll ask you to stand to your feet and exit your pew to the left, your left, and then I'm gonna ask you to come forward with your hands cupped. Man, this is important around here. Because this presence of Christ and all of the gifts that come with it, they are grace. You can't buy them. You can't steal them. You can't charge them. They come to you as a gift. So come like this, ready to receive a gift. As you approach the person holding the bread here, it will be Derek who will snap off a piece and press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. 
don't eat it just yet, but take it and dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding a cup. When you do, that person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And my hope and prayer is that in the process of eating and in some sense drinking, you will be able to sense the presence of a loving Christ. After you've eaten, you have some decisions to make. Now, we're a little bit rearranged here today, but still you can do all the things that we typically do. If you need a prayer for healing, if you will come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing, and Kristen will be over here, and I guess Aaron, you'll be over here. And if you need a prayer for physical healing or spiritual or mental or emotional healing, we will pray any kind of prayer for healing that you need. Someone will meet you there and anoint you with the oil and pray for you. If you want to come to one of these front altars, we won't assume a thing. You don't have to tell us what's going on, but we will at some point touch you on the back, the neck, the head, the shoulder, just to be a tangible expression of the witness of God. You are not alone. Or I guess you could circle all the way back around to your seats and many of you will choose to do that and that is just fine. But I do hope you'll continue to pray. That you would be more aware of the God who calls you to the hard work of renovation. Your own mind and heart, your household, your neighborhood, your city, state, and all of creation. There is all the way over there, it would typically be here, but all the way over there, there's also a, a bowl of water on a stand over here. That is to help you remember the moment of your baptism when you were in very official sorts of ways included and invited into this movement, this church, this people with a particular calling to renovate it all. If you need to be reminded of that, Dip your hand into that water and may the chill of the water remind you of the moment of your baptism. If you can't come to us, Jason and Katie will come to you. It was on the night that is betrayed that our Savior took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. Later on, he took the cup and he held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, Remember me. Can I give you one more thing to pray for? My friend who is eaten up with anxiety over the rapture is not here. Would you pray for somebody who's eaten up with anxiety over the rapture? Maybe at some point you will have the opportunity to be the bread taken, blessed, broken, and given in that person's life, mind, and heart, maybe you will be the tangible expression of the grace of God. Pray that God would put you in that position this week. And now all across the sanctuary, all of you who will, stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, and come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God meant for the people of God.